number uh, 14 this morning. And uh, I'm going to read just a few verses. This is uh, the story of, of uh, Jonathan. Most of you know the story because uh, it's, uh, you know, when you read through the Bible, sometimes you don't always get the stories within a story. And Jonathan's just one of those stories. Man, he's a friend of David. And of course, he was a warrior, a fighter, son of Saul. Anyway, just the, this story here is one of those stories that to me um, is not just interesting, it's inspiring. And uh, so many of you know it. But I want to go ahead and read a little bit of this this morning. First Samuel chapter 14. Verse number one says this, Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron, and the people that were with him were about 600 men. Jump down to verse number six. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised it may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart, turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, uh, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. Jump down to verse number 12. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan, his armor bearer, and said, Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up from upon his hands and upon his feet, and his armor bearer after him, and there they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer slew after him. And the first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about twenty men within, as it were, a half an acre of land, which a yoke of oxen might plow. And there was trembling in the host, talking about the host of the Philistines, and there was trembling in the host in the field and among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled, and the earth quaked, and so it was a very great trembling. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah and Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went on beating down one another. All right, now the beating down one another is the Philistines, um, as far as beating down one another. Now, church, I, mean, I, I want to. I'm going to read a little bit more, and then. Uh, pray and again preach the message this morning. But I want you to understand, if I can say, what's going on here. You have uh, Saul, who's the king of Israel, and at the beginning of chapter number 13, I believe, you're going to find that Saul had 3,000 men with him. 2,000 was with him, 1,000 was, was with Jonathan. By the time you get to this particular battle, we just got done reading in verse number 2 that, that Saul only had 600 men with him. In fact, jump back one chapter. I want to show you how many the Philistines had. Uh, chapter 13, 1 Samuel 13. Look at verse number 5. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel. 1 Samuel 13, verse 5. And here's how many they had. Together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. Now, church, I mean, think about this. The odds do not look very good. All righty. So you have uh, Israel with 600 men or soldiers that are with Saul and then you've got the Philistine army that, like, they have an army as the sand of the sea. Now, church, I mean, when you look through the different uh, battles in Scripture, there was oftentimes uh, they had 300,000, they had 500,000. God named how many men was in the battle. But when you come to statements like this, where God does not number them or give us a number, there's a lot of people there. And, uh, and we already know that at least... As, as was said in chapter number 13, as far as the horsemen, as far as the chariots, that there were 30,000 chariots and 6,000 uh, horse, horsemen. We understand that there was a whole lot of people there when he says that as the sand of the sea. So Israel is completely outnumbered. So Jonathan comes to his armor bearer. His dad is sitting back over here, Saul, with his 600 men. And by the way, in chapter 13, it says those 600 men are following him trembling. 
They were scared. And Jonathan says, hey, listen, armor bearer, are you with me or not? He says, if, if your heart's that direction, I'm with you. All right, and there's a message in that. But he, he follows Jonathan. Jonathan goes and he climbs up this rock clef, uh, cliff and he comes to where these, this garrison in is of the Philistines and he fights with them and 20 men are killed. And all of a sudden, there becomes a trembling now, not with Israel, but with the Philistines. In fact, uh, it's in, what, from uh, you reading the scripture, chapter, uh, chapter 14, verse 16, in the last phrase, it says, and they went on beating down one another. God did something to scare them so much that they're killing each other. Not Israel killing the Philistines. The Philistines are killing themselves uh, because of God. And then now look at verse number, um, here's, where, here's more of the thought. Look at verse number, um, let's just pick it up in verse number 20. And Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves and they came to the battle. Verse 21, moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went up with them into the camp from the country round about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites. Verse 22, likewise, all the men of Israel, which had hid themselves in Mount Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after they went into the battle. So uh, you see that Jonathan taking the initiative here caused a chain of reaction. And I want to talk to you for a little bit on this next verse, and I want you to look at it, verse 45, and we'll, we'll bring all this together. Look at verse 45, same chapter, 14. Verse 44 says, And Saul answered, God, do so to me also, more also, for thou shalt surely die. Jonathan, Saul was telling Jonathan he was going to die because of an oath. Verse 45, And the people said unto Saul, Shall Jonathan die who hath wrought this great salvation in Israel? God forbid, as the Lord liveth, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he hath wrought with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan that he died not. I want to take that one phrase and talk about for a little bit this morning with the story uh, about Jonathan. He wrought with God. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask you to please again help it to be more clear this morning, Lord, of what Jonathan did and how he wrought with you. And Lord, help us to do the same. Give us wisdom beyond our years. Thank you again for the Sunday school hour. Thank you again for the, this service, again, allowing us to praise and worship you. Father, you're a great God. Uh, Father, please help us again to show that greatness in our hearts. Lord, again, bless your people. Again, as was already said, there could be somebody in the service this morning not saved. Would you draw them to you? Help them to come to Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, church family, this story this morning, I want to deal with, and again, I did not read the whole chapter because it is very lengthy, but I want to talk about Jonathan for a little bit because the Bible says that the people of the army that was with Saul said, hey, listen, you can't kill Jonathan. Now, again, we did not read the whole story, but Saul had made an oath that no man was to eat or drink anything uh, because, and again, it was a selfish oath, and Saul made it for all of his army. Well, Jonathan did not know that. He ate a little bit of the honey uh, when he was walking through during the battle. And so Saul says, well, you're going you're gonna to have to die. You broke the oath. And the people that were with, with Saul said, no, he cannot die because we would not have had this great victory if it wasn't for Jonathan. And the Bible says that here's what they said. Jonathan wrought with God. Now, interesting, this idea, and the word wrought is mentioned twice in verse number 45, but the word wrought simply means to do, to make, or to accomplish. Now think for, for a moment. What they were saying was, is that Jonathan, to do, to make, or accomplish, he did this with God, and that's why there was this great victory that caused us to win. All right, now let me, well, got your Bible then, follow me a little bit longer here. Look at chapter 14, go back to verse number 23. 14 verse 23, so the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle passed on over unto Beth Haven. So who saved Israel that day, Jonathan or God? All right, so God saved Israel that day, but God 
used a man named Jonathan, and as was spoken or testified by the army of Israel, we won this battle, yes, because of God, but we won this battle because somebody wrought with God. Somebody accomplished something with God. Some, somebody did something with God. The church made all goes back to God's glory that anything that happens, whether it's in your life or ministry or family, it's not because of us. It's because we have a great God. As he said in Psalm 127, he, the Bible says that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain, they build it. I'm all for trying to do your best to raise good children, but good children don't come happen, happen because of good parents. Good children happen because there's a good God. Can I just tell you, there's some good churches out there, and I would hope that we would be considered a good church, but there are no good churches. There's just a good God that blesses churches. Can I tell you that in Jonathan's situation, Jonathan, watch me now, Jonathan did, some great, did something great for God because he was willing to do, to accomplish something with God. Not because of Jonathan, but because Jonathan was willing to do God's will for his life and great things happened. I pointed them out this morning, and I don't know if you've already have them underlined this morning as we walk through them, but in this particular story, the chain of events was there was a Jonathan. I preached a message years ago, and I'm not sure if it was on this particular passage, but the message was uh, how one makes a difference. How one person can be that spark to cause a fire. That one person can cause the chain of events that took place like here. Let your family follow me. And again, I know I read the verses, but can you follow what took place? Jonathan, first of all, goes to his armor bearer and says, hey, listen, I'm not sitting here. and I'm, I'm going over to fight. I don't care if I die. I'm going to go over and fight. Are you willing to follow me? Now, the armor bearer, if I can make application, is a picture of, of our friends, people that are acquaintances, people that we're close to. Can I tell you that you can make a difference in their life if you'll simply rot with God? So guess what happens with the armor bearer? The armor bearer decides, hey, listen, Yes, you're my friend, but you also are doing something for the Lord. I'm going to get, get on board with you on this. So Jonathan and his armor bearer go to fight, and guess what happens? Immediately, 20 Philistines are killed. But it doesn't stop there. Saul is still sitting back there underneath the pomegranate tree, waiting for some miracle to happen, and the miracle was happening because there was one man who wrought with God. Who was that person? Talk to me this morning. Jonathan. So guess what? John, Saul says, we're not sitting here any longer. You 600 men, you're going to follow me to the battle because obviously something's happening because we can hear from afar what's going on in the battle. So guess what? Saul gets up and his 600 men get up. And can I, can I just take, make the picture again? Saul and Jonathan were related. It's a picture of family. Can I just tell you that there could be some family that could get into a battle in the Christian life and do something for God if there was somebody who would rot with God? Are you with me so far? So then it goes from Saul. Not only did we have uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer and then Jonathan and Saul, we see the next step, and again, I'll point the verse out for you in verse number 20, I'm sorry, verse number 21. Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines. Now, I don't know if you catch that or not, but I call those Benedict Arnolds. How do you have Israelites with the Philistines? They should have never been with the Philistines. These are the people who are backslidden. These are the people who are not right with God. These are the people who are not in church. Can I just tell you that if there was a Jonathan that would rot with God, those people who are serving the devil and not serving the, serving the Israelites that were with the Philistines, the believer who's in the world, can I tell you, there needs to be some Christians that stand up for God and rot with God because it's not just about them. They have an influence on those people who are with the Philistines. It didn't stop there, though. Look at your Bible again in verse number 22. Likewise, all the men of Israel which had hid themselves. 
Now, I, again, I would call these these that are the fearful, the weak-hearted. Be again, give me a little bit of liberty as far as some of my statements this morning. But when you first get saved, you're a baby Christian. When you, you say, well, I'm 35 years old. I'm not talking about your physical age. I'm talking about when you first believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You had a head knowledge of Christ, but you did not have a heart knowledge of Christ. But when you become a believer, you're a baby Christian in that sense. And you begin to grow in your faith. Let me tell you this morning, I don't care if you've been saved 40 years, you should still be growing in your faith. You should still be in the book. You should still be in church. You should still grow in your faith. And can I just tell you that these fearful, these weaker Israelites, <clears throat> these that, can I tell you, they're going to be Christians. Now, listen, to me, the, 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 the picture is very clear. One person made a difference. Jonathan said, hey, listen, I'm not sitting here. I'm fighting in the battle. By the way, you're a soldier of the Jesus Christ. Endure hardness. Therefore, you know, as a Christian, we're in a battle. What's the battle? We're fighting the good fight of faith. We're fighting the devil. Jonathan says, we're going to go after it. He influences his friends. The armor bearer follows him. He influences his family. Saul follows him. He influences the foes, those who were enemies of Israel, who were Israelites but were with the wrong crowd. He influences those. He influences the fearful, those who were weak-hearted that couldn't even come to the battle, but they saw the courage of somebody named Jonathan and said, hey, listen, if he can do it, I can do it. And then you come to verse number 23, and again, it sums it up, I believe, as far as the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over unto Beth Haven. But when it comes down to it, the army, the people of Israel knew it wasn't Jonathan that won the battle. It wasn't Jonathan that caused uh, this army as the sand of the sea, these 30,000, uh, 6,000 horsemen and 30,000 chariots. It wasn't Jonathan that won but it was Jonathan who wrought with God that won. Listen to me this morning, church family. God needs somebody to wrought with him. To do, to make, to accomplish. Church family, I know it's not us as an individual when it comes to our families and this church. It's not us. But God... And I, and I say this, God's sovereign, God's omnipotent, God's omniscient, God's omnif, omnipresent, omniscient, unknowing. He's everything and all in all. But God uses people. Just remember, you remember John the Baptist? When John the Baptist uh, was going to baptize Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ had come to him in the Jordan. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. amen. I can tell you all really enjoyed Christmas. <laughs> You're very lethargic this morning. All right. Could you turn the spotlights on my eyes, please? <laughs> Do you understand that John the Baptist, when Jesus came to him, in Matthew chapter 3, verse number 17, John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said, listen, I can't baptize you. I'm not even worthy to tie your shoe latchet. Can I tell you what Jesus said? Jesus said, it becometh us to fulfill his will. Jesus said, I can't do this without you, John. Just remember, God needs us to rot with him because there's friends that we are close to. There is family that we're in touch with. There are backslidden Christians that could be inspired by our, our faith and walk with God. There are weaker Christians that need an example. And I want to tell you, you say to yourself, I don't want to be that person. But I'm just telling you this morning, you're saved this morning. You should be that person. 
Let somebody else do it. You're saved. Let somebody else do it. I'm not, I'm not old enough to be that kind of example. I'm a young person. I'm a teenager. I'm a, I'm a new Christian. Can I just tell you, God's not looking for a particular age or experience in order to rot with him. He's just looking for a Jonathan that says, okay, if dad's not going to do it, if the armor bearer's not going to do it, if the enemy, enemies of, of, of Israel's not going to do it, I, I, I can do it. I'm just going to do what I can do and let God do what he wants to do. Church, I mean, three simple things this morning, and, and, and again, it won't take me just a minute to show them to you because they're, they're that simple. The reason Jonathan wrought with God. I found, the first thing is I found mentioned three times, and I want to show you all three verses. Verse number one, chapter 14. In chapter 14, if you're going to wrought with God, Verse 1, now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, come and let us, what's the two-letter word? Let us go over to the Philistines. Look at verse number uh, 6, I believe. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, come and let us, what's the word again? Go over unto the, under the garrison. Verse number 12, and the, and the men of the, the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us. And we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. Can I just tell you that if you're going to, if you're, listen to me now, if you're going to rot with God, if you're going to accomplish anything for the Lord, if you're going to do, or if you're going to make, can I just tell you it has to happen? You're going to have to go. Say, so listen, there's enough, there's enough Saul's who's supposed to be the leader. Wonder what we're going to do. I know I should do something. I wish I could do something. That army's awful big over there, bigger than what we are. I don't think I can do it. Jonathan had enough faith to believe that God can save by many or by few, and he was not limited by the resources of man because he was God. And you know what, jo you know what jo Jonathan did? Armor bearer, I'm going. Are you going? Yeah, I'll go with you. It, if you're going to rot with God, it's going to take some go inside of you. It's going to take something. You, I'm not just going to stagnate where I'm at spiritually. I want to go. I want to go forward in my walk with God. I want to go forward in my soul winning. I want to go forward. Church, I mean, we're, we're coming into 2022. Amen. Are you just going to simply in 2022 sit down and think, oh, I can't do anything. I can't go any farther. There's too much going on. I, I, I'm not the person. You can rot with God, but you're not going to rot with God sitting. David and Katie Joe, January 13th, am I correct on that? January 13th, going to head over to Kenya, Africa. And I know, that, I know all of us can't go to Kenya, Africa, but God didn't call all of us to Kenya, Africa, which I'm very thankful he didn't call me to Kenya, Africa. Listen, God wants to use you. God's the one that, that allows the victory to take place in your life, whether it's for you personally, for your family, for your church, for wherever you're at. God's the one that does the victory. It's not us, it's him. Amen. But God uses people that wrought with him, that, that accomplishes things with him, that does things for and with him. Those things happen. I want to tell you why they happen. Because somebody's willing to go. Let's go. Let's go. 
Second thing I see is interesting. Not only willing to go, look at your Bible again, verse number 13 and 14. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. And the first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within as it were a half an acre of land which a yoke of oxen might plow. Just really, the reason Jonathan wrought with God and accomplished something for God is number one, because he, because he go, but it's also because he fought. It's, it is a battle. And it is a fight. I won't tell you how much a fight it is. It's a, it's a fight because you didn't want to get up this morning. It's a, it's a fight because you didn't want to spend that time of getting up earlier so you can spend time with God. Our flesh, it's a constant fight. It's a constant fight. You know, one, thing, one of the bad things about uh, uh, Christmas break is our flesh, because of a change of schedule or lack of schedule, has a whole lot more opportunity to do what it wants instead of what it's supposed to do. So your schedule tells you go to work. Your schedule tells you to go to school. Your schedule tells you I've got to do these, these hours. But when we have Christmas break and we have all of this time now, our, we get to choose Okay, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do this, so what am I going to do? And our flesh is constantly pulling us. You know what that's called? It's called a fight. That's why Paul said he had to die daily because it was a fight. A fight inside. And I want to just tell you that if you're going to accomplish something for God, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to tell yourself no. You're going to have to tell the world no. My sinners, if sinners entice thee, what? Consent thou not. It's a fight. But church, I mean, when you go to Ephesians chapter number 6, he says, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand against the evil day, against the wiles of the devil. But why am I putting on armor? Because it's a fight. If you're going to rot with God, you're going to have to go. You're going to do something. If you're going to rot with God, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to resist something. I like verse number 23, which sums it all up. So the Lord saved Israel that day. You guys remember when you were in school? I, I should have checked ahead of time because I don't remember how it goes. But how, you guys remember when you played sports in school and the cheerleaders were on the side? It seemed like the, the one cheer they did the most, go, fight, win. You want to rot with God? Go fight win. Go fight. And the Lord saved Israel that day. Win. <clears throat> Isn't it interesting that Jonathan did not make the statement, but the people did? You can't kill Jonathan. He wrought with God. If the Lord tarries and your casket ends up at the front of an auditorium someday and the pastor does the eulogy and the tributes to you, somebody ought to be able to say something better than, well, he worked hard. Somebody ought to be able to say something more than, he stayed married, faithful to his wife. Somebody ought to be able to say, he wrought with God. He accomplished what he accomplished because God was all over him. All over her. God is just looking for somebody 
who's willing, come here, son, to yoke up with him. He has the money. He's got the power. He's got the authority. He's just looking at somebody. Take my yoke upon you. He's just looking for somebody to let him do the work that you can rot with. And you're not going to accomplish what you think you can accomplish without him. Thank you, Mercy. This morning when we started the message this morning, as was prayed by Brother Schofield, was prayed by me. If you don't know Christ as your Savior and you come to a church service like this and you've heard about Jesus over and over and over and you have a head knowledge about Christ but you don't have a heart knowledge about Christ, to a degree I have failed you as the pastor of the church, but you have failed yourself by not believing, receiving. We're going to have an invitation like we always have and it's time for church family to do business with the Lord, whether the Lord spoke to your heart. But, you know, there's probably one or two or more in here this morning. You practice Christmas and you know Christ died on a cross and came to be born, of course, died on a cross for your sin. But you never asked him to be your personal savior. I'm just telling you, without Christ, you can't get to heaven. Amen. And it's not joining this church, not being baptized. It's not even doing the things that were mentioned in the message. It's about receiving and believing. It's about believing that Jesus Christ died for your sin. You need to accept him as your personal savior. Are you saved this morning? Do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? How do we know that? 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written, that's the Bible, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. The reason you know is because you've put your faith and trust in Christ. Have you done that? Only you know that. I can ask the question, I don't want you to raise your hand this morning, I can ask the question, oh, if, you, if you've trusted Christ your Savior, you know for sure on your way to heaven, raise your hand, don't raise it, but you could, all of us, yeah. but only you know that. Have you been saved? I got saved when I was 11 years old, and I have no doubt about it. I can't really even tell you who opened up the Bible, and for sure, I can't, I can't be 100% positive as far as who showed me, and I can't be 100% positive the exact date, but I remember on that day in a church service that I realized I was a sinner, and I asked Jesus Christ to save me. Are you saved this morning? If not, you say, I, I'm not really sure. Would you at least let someone take a Bible and take five minutes and show you what it means to be saved? If you're a lady, let a lady show you. If you're a man, let a man show you. Christian, this morning, when we start the invitation this morning, if you're saved this morning, can I just tell you what your decision should be? I want to rot with God. I want to accomplish with God. I want to do with God. I want God to use me for his honor and glory. Listen to me, if some Christians this morning would say, I were out with God, you could change your friends, you could change your family, you could change those backslidden Christians, you could change a new Christian. If you just simply say, I'm not just going to sit like Saul, I want to be a Jonathan. There's a battle to be won, and that battle is going to be until the Lord comes back. I want to keep fighting. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning?